Today, uh, we're, we're going to be in some sacred space. Now, you may be saying, well, aren't we there every Sunday? Isn't everywhere, you know, alive with the presence of God? Yes. But there's just some content that I like to say, hey, today's a little extra special. All right? Uh, uh, we, we have a phrase around our house sometimes when, when we encounter big personalities, myself included, and uh, I've picked it up. I don't use it a lot. My wife will use it from time to time, and she, she, it's one word. She's just like, hey, you know, he's a little extra. That's the word. That's the word. Maybe you have some friends in your life, some coworkers. You're like, you know, that's really who they are. They're a little extra, okay? Today's message, let me say this, it's a little extra, all right? It's something you know. Uh, it's something you probably practiced, and nonetheless, I want to remind, encourage, challenge, and equip you in the, or on the holy ground, in the sacred space, in the uniquely Christian direction of forgiving others. I heard that groan. I received that sigh. <laughs> But I want to say one of, one of the distinguishing factors about Christ followers is that they carry with them Christ-likeness. It's not instantaneous. It's not formed in 24 hours or 24 minutes. It's a direction that we're living. It's, as scriptures call, the straight and narrow path, somebody. It may not be convenient may be uncomfortable, may be very hard at times, but it's a straight and narrow path into Christ-likeness. It distinguishes, honestly, Christianity is distinguished by the remarkable grace God has generously given towards us. But there's also a requirement as we not... Uh, uh, immediately, but as we are formed into Christ's likeness, here's the requirement. The grace that we've received, we extend to others. Now, just a quick yes or no question. It's pretty easy to forgive others, right? Yes or no? No. <laughs> some people it's easier. Some situations are easier. But sometimes it's very, very hard. Sometimes it's very, very difficult. I, I, I was thinking about forgiving others, and it's one of those disciplines in our walk with God that I, I thought could, I, I, I could give you an image. And the image is, pretend you and I have gone for an early morning trail walk. Okay? One of the things, I'm no expert, but one of the things I've encountered when I go for a trail walk, a little hike, especially if it's a path that nobody's gone on that day, a little thing known as spider webs. You familiar with spider webs? All right, so you're walking, and maybe you're following somebody, and then it's very humorous to see. But if you're leading the way, it's not so fun. But you're walking, you can't see, everything's great, you're taking in the serene pictures, the birds are chirping, the flowers are growing, or maybe it's fall and all the hues, you're really just connecting with nature. And then out of nowhere, you step into the web and it changes everything. You go from looking pretty cool to, oh my gosh, you know, you just, you just, you just, I don't know. And then the whole walk, what are you doing? Oh gosh. It's like, you just, 
You know, it's like encountering a flea. You feel like you've got fleas for the, the year. I don't know. You just So the whole walk is, is ruined. And then you, 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 know, you kind of get it off and things are good. And you're like, okay, great. And so you go, you go with your stick. Now you've got a stick because naturally that ain't going to happen again. So you've got a stick. You're walking everywhere, you know. And then you put the stick down because it's grown comfortable. And surely there's no more webs. And then bam, you know. Struck again. <laughs> People are like spider webs. <laughs> Things are going. Life's going. Work's going great. Maybe it's a promotion. Maybe it's a raise. Man, family's growing. Friendship's growing. Everything's great. Bam! A fence just entered your court. Welcome to life, everybody. <laughs> then what do we do? We meet with the Lord, hopefully, somewhere. We, you know, we call our favorites list, talk about the offense, and then we meet with the Lord. <laughs> Maybe we call our favorites, get on social media, then we meet with the Lord. I don't know what your plan of attack is, but somewhere in there, hopefully, we're meeting with the Lord. We're coming to church. They're playing our song. They're playing our song. The pastor taught an awesome message again. How does he do it? We don't know. But again, and so the Lord's doing things. You come up for prayer. You get prayed. You get healed. Everything's great. But it's, but it's a journey. You didn't arrive. So, again, you're back on that trail. And this time, you've got your stick. Not going to get hurt. Not going to get wounded. No more pain in my life. <laughs> how, did, how did that happen? You stepped into another web. Is it not like this in life? It stinks. But we don't want to live isolated, right? I know a couple years ago, life changed in a lot of ways. We got to work from home a lot of the time. We got to be by ourselves. You introverts were on cloud nine. You've been praying the Lord's Prayer, but you didn't know it would take a global pandemic for heaven to come to earth, baby. No, I'm, I'm kidding, introverts. But life can be a little bit like that trail. And we can get hurt, we can get offended, things can get difficult, it can be painful. But despite all of that, if you've pledged allegiance to Christ, that there are no other gods but Jesus, and there is no other way but the straight and narrow, you still serve a ridiculously generous, forgiving Heavenly Father who's heaven-bent on forming you into Christ-likeness. He's heaven-bent. And I want to build just a brief foundation in case you need a reminder or in case some of these moments are new to you, I want to let you know that in Jesus, who the Gospel of John chapter 1 says, we had an understanding of God, but when Jesus came, we knew God. No one before was one with the Father until Christ came, and we encountered God in a bod, as somebody likes to say. God with skin on, and He showed us the heart of our Heavenly Father. And one of the most aggravating things about Jesus, to my flesh, I should preface, 
is that he forgave and forgave, and he revealed the heart of the Father. So one, one moment, Jesus describing the heart of the Father to people. So one moment, he, he has, he's got two groups of people who some love him in both groups, and some hate him in both groups. And, you know, as a good rabbi, he's like, ooh, it whetted his appetite. He's like, well, this is fun. Hey, guys, let's make some enemies. And so he shares three stories describing the kingdom of God. Three stories. First, you know, it's a lamb that got lost. The shepherd goes after the one. The second is the kingdom of God is like a coin that somebody lost. And then they went (laughs) through heaven and hell, so to speak, cleaning their house to find it. And then the third... It's called the prodigal story. It's about a father who has two sons. And it's a parable providing an image-bearing truth for this audience. Who was the audience? The audience was Pharisees and tax collectors and sinners. Jesus hits them both with the lovesick father story prodigal story in in, in American culture, I would say, most known for the prodigal son. But the parable in context is written for the older brother. What's remarkable about that story is you've got this father who is obviously wealthy, has a large estate, but his youngest son comes to him prematurely and says, listen, I want my inheritance now, which culturally speaking, no joke, no exaggeration, I mean this, in context means, Father, you're dead to me. I want my inheritance now. It's unheard of. Nobody ever did that. The audience would immediately pick up on that. So the son, shaming his father, whose reputation would forever be stained within that community because no son did that, and any son that would do that, there's got to be some wires mixed up with the dad. So the father generously gives. The son runs into another land, spends all of it, wine, drinking, and other things. Spends it all. Finds himself serving another hand in a pig pen. Has a thought. Man, I'd be better off as a servant in my father's house. So the journey begins. Perhaps you're familiar with it. The moment he steps on property, the father runs. Doesn't receive an apology. He just says, I'm so glad you're home. He gives him a ring, gives him a robe, gives him a new set of sandals. And to add insult to injury, he says, guess what? We've been prepping. We've been prepping, and we've got a party laid out for you. Ridiculous generosity of the Father. And Jesus is, what is he doing? He's revealing the heart of our Father towards us. Forgiveness. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul's describing agape love. You know there's four kinds of love, but agape love. Paul's describing it, and it says it keeps no record of wrongs. Like sometimes in our Christian journey, some things you need to just be like, hold up, hold up. That's cray-cray. As Christ like this thing is, is, is cray-cray. It's difficult. So the lovesick father has welcomed in the son, the youngest, but he pivots. The party's going on, and we see the father. He's like, someone's missing. 
So the lovesick father walks out. And he sees the older brother who won't enter the party. He says, hey, all that I have is yours. And the older brother's like, meh, 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 meh. Parable ends with the older brother outside of the party. The younger brother in the party. But what is it? It's the heart of God towards humanity. It's the loving nature of God to forgive. And he's the only one. He's the only one. Don't receive that false yoke. To forgive and to be able to forget. God's the only one who could do that. But Jesus shares this parable and it changes the atmosphere, changes the environment. In fact, I'm convinced it changes the disciples who were closest to him in their philosophy. Because they were used to the great generosity of Jewish law, which was unheard of in ancient times. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That's pretty good. That's a remarkable judicial system. First time the world had ever seen anything like that. Humanity used to be eye for an eye, now I'm going to kill you. You know, that's kind of the way it was. (laughs) Judiciously, the Jewish law changed the game. No, it's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It's, it's, It's fair. Jesus comes along and he ups it. He says, I want you praying for your enemies. Well, the parable I want us to look briefly at is the unmerciful servant. Some of you, I know you Bible readers, you're in it. Matthew chapter 18. Jesus in verse 23. This will come up on the screens, I believe. Jesus in uh, 18, verse 23, he says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him, be patient with me. And I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owned him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. It probably was not in that tone, okay? (laughs) Just trying to be generous with you this morning, okay? I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. If I'm a good pastor, I share verse 35 with you. Do you want a good pastor this morning? Okay. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus lays it out for us. He wants us to do the hard work necessary to forgive others. At the end, I'm going to share about false forgiveness. Forgiveness is a process we must trust. Jesus not only would teach and in his parables, but Jesus' very presence and association with others oozed forgiveness. Jesus would associate with people who no rabbi should associate with. 
His very presence throughout the gospel would carry even more weight, perhaps, than even the parables themselves. Jesus would associate with Samaritans, prostitutes, tax collectors, demoniacs, the poor, the wealthy, the religious, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and high priests. It's quite remarkable. Deep historical animosity and bitterness taught from a family of origin would not limit Jesus' association and ministry. I love the Chosen series. You can begin to see some of this play out. Um, it gives a great visual for the gospel story. But you see Jesus, especially when um, John um, and James, they want to call down fire from heaven to destroy a city in Samaria. And you're reading the parable and you're like, ooh, or not the parable, it's a real story. Some of Jesus' closest followers. And they're like, I'm listening, I'm reading it, and I'm like, ooh, I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> not with any of y'all, but I've been there. Um, situations, circumstances. And Jesus extends mercy, extends kindness. Because he carried with him the heart of his heavenly father. That it was to reveal, maybe go on the other side and see things from their perspective. Maybe to go on the other side and gain an understanding. So we have parables. We've got stories. We've got the very association of Jesus. We've got even in the midst of the Lord's Prayer, you've got Matthew 6, 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. But... I was building that foundation, and even as I was studying, I found myself praying to the Lord. But hey, you know, for those of us not formed in Christ's likeness just yet, for those of us who still live here on earth, who are on this trail, and there seems to be a spider web <laughs> that we just walked into, we need some help. I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me this key thought. Jesus never intended for you to be able to forgive without the help of the Holy Spirit. Much of our Christian walk isn't done because we know what's right. Much of our Christian walk is done because of partnering with the Holy Spirit. And if I'm quite honest, sometimes I'm not partnering with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I'm partnering with the disappointment, with the missed expectations. But there's nowhere in your journey with God that he's asking you to go without the help of the Holy Spirit. Shortly after Jesus' ascension into heaven, the Holy Spirit came and empowered the apostles, empowered the disciples. And in one ridiculous account, Peter's thrown in prison, miraculously released, and he gets, with his, he gets with all of the apostles in the church and says, hey, let's pray for more boldness. And I'm like, well, that's kind of silly. <laughs> what is that? That's partnering with the Holy Spirit. Jesus would give this great kind of theological overview in John chapter 15, I believe it is, on the Holy Spirit. And he would come to comfort. He would come to counsel but he would also come to lead us into all truth. 
And so I believe, you know, we've got to, got to slow down to partner with the Holy Spirit to really, hear this, to experience forgiving others. Can't do it in your own strength. You can do the minor ones in your own strength. Like McDonald's, look, they're going to mess up your order. (laughs) And hopefully by now you're not going to rage at them in person, all right? You just, yeah, uh, that's easy. But there are moments in life, man, that that the pain hurts, that the wound is deep. And I wanted to bring up, a, 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 I don't want to say a cycle, like you need a cycle in your life, but a helpful direction I've found from my life, if we can bring it up, is a pain, a wound that occurs, a moment, an experience, grief, understanding or perspective, and then forgiveness. So sometimes people in life, they've experienced great trauma in childhood. And they have defense, like you needed some defense mechanisms to survive. Okay? You did. That's, I think, part of God's grace in our lives. Sometimes I hear people's family of origin story, and I mean, I'm just like, what? It's remarkable. But sometimes our defense mechanism, it, it stuffs things way under the rug. Like you had to get another rug because it was getting so piled up. It's a defense mechanism. And that, that's good. That serves for a season. Like it helps us get through trauma and difficulty. But eventually we need to meet with the Lord. Maybe meet with a therapist. Maybe meet with a life coach or pastor or somebody that can help us because the wound is deep. And here's, here's where I see people jump the gun. Sometimes they move from pain wound to forgiveness because they feel like they got to forgive so God can forgive them. Yes, but we're not in a hurry. You don't have to rush your forgiveness, okay? So here's what I do. Pain wound comes up. We can just leave that image up just for a couple minutes. Thank you guys so much in the back, please. Um, We'll leave that up just for a couple minutes. But the pain wound, and here's the deal. Can I go there just for a minute? You interpret the pain in the wound. That's You interpret that. There's going to be some things I experience in life that cause a pain and wound in my life. And if you went through it, you're like, no, that's nothing. Get over it. Okay, you're wired how you're wired. Praise God for that. And so, sometimes, sometimes we just want to move so fast, so quickly. But I think it's always helpful to process the grief that the pain or the wound caused. Sometimes that looks like two minutes. Sometimes that looks like two years. But if we're not careful, we can rush. We can move. We can find ourselves Soothing that pain with antidotes that are not of God. (laughs) That's why grief is so important. It's it's important to embrace it. Man, man, hey, hey. The person may have passed away, okay? But your family of origin, hey, I'm 
I'm going to let you know. I'm going to write some things down how you messed my whole life up. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to write some things down about how the things you said, the things you did, I've, I, I, so far I've not been able to recover from. Right? I'm going to write some things down on how my whole mindset is wrong. Now, it's not a blame game. There's probably a little bit of that while you're grieving, but it's so vital. Safely take something from under the rug and grieve. Right? Give yourself permission to grieve. You're not a bad Christian if you're grieving. You're not a bad Christian if you're grieving. From the grief, we move to understanding. Perhaps we gain a little bit of perspective. The Holy Spirit's helping us. Listen, he's helping us the whole journey. It's the beautiful work of the Lord. And we're in church on a Sunday, and that song really helped, or that message really helped, or that coffee conversation really helped. Man, you need community, right? So we've got Christ doing his work in us. We've got community coming alongside him. And we feel like we're getting just an ounce of understanding. Understanding does not excuse, but it explains. Right, So sometimes the pain, the wound, you'll never, I hate to say it, they're ne- they may never say sorry. You will never get that from them. But you can at least understand it to some degree. And then from that understanding, I think comes even more healing. Again, maybe through, a, through one of our small groups, you know, through perspective, through slowing down, thinking, praying. Allowing the Lord just to do that deep-rooted work in our lives. We move to forgiveness. I have just a few thoughts. Understanding yourself. So you interpret the pain, the wound. Grief I have here. Can we bring that up real quick? I think I sent it. Grief has no timeline. Understanding takes time and may never arrive. This is really encouraging, aren't you? I can hear the joy. Come on. Uh, uh, forgiveness may be spoken, so it may, you, you know, you may need to just, hey, I forgive you. But it also may be unspoken. Some relationships may be, you know, so far gone, or some experiences may be so far gone. I remember at, a, at an encounter event when we were ministering in Florida at an encounter event, so lots of worship, a little bit of teaching, but then people come forward for prayer. I remember uh, somebody came forward to forgive somebody, and they had written, they'd written just some, some things on their card, a real private matter. Um, and this Marine came, and he's in his, goodness, mid-60s. He said, I, I've got to forgive. I've got to forgive my commanding officer. He said, I don't want to share everything, but you know in military, they break you down. And he said, man, they, <laughs> they overbroke me. <laughs> he said, I've never been the same since, but as we were worshiping, as we were teaching, I felt like the Lord say, it's time to release that bitterness. I'll tell you what, he tore it up as a sign, I'm releasing it, he put it under his feet, and uh, I just put my hand on his shoulder and prayed for him, and man, just the tears, but it's something so holy and so supernatural happened, a man who had been carrying bitterness for 45 years, released 
and received the peace of God. But it took some grief, understanding, and then it led to forgiveness. And listen, here's the thing. You can forgive people without welcoming them back into your life. So apology accepted, but access denied. Does that make sense? You can... You don't need to cycle in abuse or cycle in, you know, people who aren't the right people for you. But then also I have here just quickly, I do need to end. Thank you for reminding me. Understanding false forgiveness. Now, I've done the false forgiveness thing as well. That's why I think I can, I can preach to it for a moment. Understanding false forgiveness. Now, this is, this is what we do. Uh, I grew up... Uh, in South Africa, Cape Town, so I had the gift of British culture, uh, which has many, many gifts, as I'm sure you know. Um, but one of them is understanding false forgiveness. One of them is you minimize the pain and the wound. Sometimes, again, we have defense mechanisms, so you minimize the pain and the wound. And I mean, it was embedded in culture. You go to the doctor's office, why are you crying? Well, I'm in a lot of pain. Oh, big boys don't cry. Okay. Get bit by a dog. The lady who owned the dog walks you home and said, Oh, don't you know cowboys don't cry? I'm like, lady, I'm not a cowboy. I'm six years old and your dog just ripped the piece of my leg out. I'm just saying, it was embedded in culture. I, ooh, is that a little bitterness coming out? I don't know, you know. <laughs> but false forgiveness, here's what it looks like. Listen, listen, minimizing the pain wound, unprocessed grief. Faulty understanding of experience and influence on you. Ah, it didn't, it, di it didn't do much. It didn't mean much. Ah, it's no big deal. No big deal. I'll joke around with Kelly. It's no big deal. You know, it's like, maybe it is a big deal, Paul. <laughs> Rush ahead to bring a sense of peace. Sometimes that religious yoke is thick. We want to strive into being Christ-like. So we're like, it's all good. Here's another mask. And meanwhile, we have unprocessed grief. Religious mindset. God's impatience demands my attention and immediate forgiveness. And that's, well, I can't, I can't walk in the mercy and forgiveness of God until I've extended that. No, some things do take time. But here's where God's moving us. He's moving us to having the heart of our Heavenly Father to the world around us. So we're being healed to heal. We're being made whole to help make others whole. Sometimes the trauma, the difficulty, the hardship we've experienced, God has brought us on a journey. He didn't cause it to happen. Hear me, He didn't cause it to happen. But through Christ and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, He uses that as a platform to reach others who may have experienced the same dark night, dark day that we experience. It's the beauty of what God can do with the areas that we've let Him heal and make us whole. I end with my key thought. God is not going to ask you to do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I wanted to put something practical in your hands. So I sneak attacked you today, and it's in your worship guide.
I stand before you as someone who desperately needs the presence of God and has to pray. <laughs> Some of y'all, you're so spiritual, you don't have to pray, okay? Not me. <laughs> I got to pray. And uh, about a decade or so ago, I really started leaning into what I call some transformative prayers. I used to have a prayer life where kind of God was the ATM and I was swiping all the time. Come on. Ever been there? It's called intercessory prayer. You need it. You do it. You want it in your life. But then I began to incorporate what I call transformative prayer where I partner with the Holy Spirit and I invite God to do a work in my life. There's no way of forgiving others without receiving the help of the Holy Spirit. Some of us, depending on our personality type, you know, we're very good at keeping a record of wrongs. It's just kind of who we, want, who we are. I guess I'm alone. Okay, well, maybe some others are. Okay, thank you for that non-vote of confidence. All right. Well, we need the Holy Spirit to be able to forgive others. Prayer forms us into Christ's likeness. To follow Jesus and to assume it's a matrix perspective is, is falsy theology. You're not going to get jabbed in the back of your neck and downloaded jujitsu. No, that's idealist thinking. You're going to have to pray yourself into it. So you may not be forgiving. You're going to pray yourself into that space. You may be really hurt. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what they did and what you experienced. But here's what I know. Here's what, as a Christ follower, you're going to have to pray yourself into your future. And that prayer begins to direct your steps. I think about Terry Roberts, who in 2006, her son in Pennsylvania snuck into an Amish schoolhouse and opened fire. Terry Roberts is driving home. As she pulls in her driveway, her husband's there, and the sheriff, and they're explaining to them the tragedy that just occurred in their community and letting her know two things. Your son did it, and your son's dead. The day of the funeral, Terry Roberts, her family gather. It's a small one. They just kept it to themselves. And from behind the church... 40 people from the Amish community walk out to her in the midst of the funeral. They surround them, pray for them, love them, serve them, minister to them on the loss of their son. Some of them had just lost their daughters. What am I getting at? The Amish are a people formed in prayer. They're formed in forgiveness. They're formed in mercy. Were some of them feeling it in the moment? Absolutely not. But when you cut them open, this is who we are. Think of Corey Ten Boom, who went in 1947 on a tour of Germany She'd been in concentration camps and watched some of her family be killed. She thought she was doing pretty good till she was in a church sharing. And an officer came up and said, oh, I served at your concentration camp. I didn't know Jesus, but now that I know Jesus, 
I know that God's mercy has forgiven me for the atrocities I've done. But I want to ask you, do you forgive me? He didn't even know who she was. And she was like, I was doing pretty good till he extended his hand. And it was only a few seconds, but she said it felt like an eternity for me. She said, I was so full of rage, so full of anger, so full of frustration. But then God's grace came to me in that moment. And she said, I forgive you. And she said she could physically feel electricity coming up her arm, the adrenaline rush physically of the Holy Spirit as she extended the mercy, as she extended the forgiveness. She would go on to share that God met her daily. She thought she was pretty good till it came up. She thought it was pretty good till it came up. But in each moment, God gave her her daily bread to forgive. Those are two ridiculous stories, people. If you think that's normal, you're crazy. I end with a lyric I heard this last week by an artist named John Foreman. He says, in a world at war, love is a rebel song. God's asking for us to love others well. He's not asking us for faking it, just to make it, try and push through, just man up. No, no. He wants to meet you in the pain. He wants to meet you through the grief. He wants to lead us with understanding. And sometimes, let me be honest, we need the help of therapy. We need the help of counseling. We need community. We need others. Sometimes it's just to listen. But he wants to lead us to that place. Make no bones about it. That the cross we've been carrying, we're on it. And we say, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they. God's asking for us. He's asking for you to be a city on the hill. He's asking you to be a fool for him. To do the long obedience of forgiveness. Slowly, patiently, but not in your own strength, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray.